my first time, so I probably I should make an official welcome for people. Even though this is my this is my first time doing a a, a Zoom interview, so it's gonna be interesting. All right, all this for so it's gonna be a gonna be a cool interview. But uh, man, welcome, welcome to uh, this is the studio. Uh, if you were in Kansas City, this would be where you know we have the interview in the studio. But um, I wanted to just come in the studio because it's more. Um, I have my lights here and everything, so it's way better than just being at home. Um, right. So, but uh, welcome to the Fight Up KC show. Welcome, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I have Mr. Craig in the house. So from your bio, you are, you have over, you said, 40 years of experience? Yeah, uh, I've been a programmer for about 40 years. I started when I was 10. Wow, so, okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. How did that start? <laughs> tell me about that because I want to hear about that. Well, so I guess the, the short of it is, uh, and this would have been around early 1980 or so from what I remember, okay. um, one of my friends got a computer for Christmas. It was kind of that thing where personal computers were getting like popular as opposed to just a video game system. And so parents were getting their kids like these computers, whether it was Commodore 64 or Atari or an Apple computer, those kind of things that you would hook up to your TV or that kind of thing. Anyways, he got a a bunch of books on programming and games and all this stuff. And his parents were hoping that he would get into it and he didn't like it at all. Um, But the good thing was, is I got to hang out with him every day. Right. Went over, saw it, and I was completely fascinated with, you know, with all this stuff. So they had a really good influence on me. Oh, wow. um, I ended up picking up the magazines and books and stuff that he got, uh, you know, as a gift kind of thing. And I read through them and the people that made these programs and stuff, the authors were kind of like, at that point for me, kind of like famous actors or something, you know, movie yeah. stars, that kind of thing. Because it was all brand new to me. And mm-hmm. I really liked the idea of... Um, being being creative and like solving problems and that kind of thing yeah so it came really really natural to me i'm not a big fan of like math per se or anything like that <laughs> but, the, but the idea of creating something with uh you know code that kind of thing to tell the computers something you want it to do yeah. and then seeing the outcome of that um ended up being like really fascinating to me and then years go- have gone by i spent about 15 years in silicon valley during the uh, first dot-com boom when yeah. uh, yeah, when Google first started and that kind of thing. So I got to see a lot of crazy stuff back then and a lot of stuff's happened in between, obviously, but that's how I got started. Yeah, it's kind of on, on accident, yeah. Well, so let me let people know who is here today. This is Mr. Craig Stadler. Uh, where, are you, where are you tuning from? Where are you tuning from? What's the- I'm, Yeah, I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay, oh dang, that's a, that's a couple hours away from Kansas City. That's, uh, that's, that's quite a distance. See, that's why the internet is good, right? Like you are there chilling. I'm, I'm here in Kansas City chilling. You know, we are yeah. in you having fun. Um, so can I give us a give us a you kind of give us a little background of how you started into like you know programming and whatnot. Um, give us a you know a more in depth detail of how you know you've come from be from coding from at ten years old to where you are today. You know, what is that been about? Because uh, I think you had a uh, the first uh, was it a before YouTube you had your own first streaming. Uh, platform before YouTube, right? Yeah, it wasn't the same model exactly. So long story short, as I moved out to the Bay Area in uh, 1997, I think it was late 97, maybe early 98, probably 97. But anyways, um, and this was many years before YouTube. I don't don't know the exact year that YouTube came out, 2003 or something like that, I'm guessing, early 2000s. But anyways, I I moved out there um, after I left uh, Georgia, because I heard that this big to-do was happening out in California, and I'm, I'm a programmer, so I was like, yeah, I'll go out there. Sounds cool to me. So I went out there by myself and uh, started doing some contracting and stuff like that, and I really wasn't super happy with, I don't want to say the work that I was doing, but I kind of wanted to do my own thing, okay. make my own company, make my own software company, make yeah. some stuff that like, didn't exist yet, that kind of thing. Okay. And so one of the things I thought of was having been a programmer on Windows and stuff like that before, I wanted to make something on the computer that you could use to pull up a list of like TV stations and watch TV on your computer. Now, okay. granted, this was 1998, which is, you know, the bandwidth was really limited back then with DSL yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And cable modems were barely out mm. kind of thing um, in a lot of places. Um, so I had a couple other software, uh, you know, products that I made in the same company, but I, I made that, came out with it, was received really well, um, got to partner with, uh, you may not even remember, it was co- a company called Real Networks or Real Audio. Right. They were one of the first streaming like platforms, really, really old. They were around QuickTime, Apple QuickTime and um, Windows Media and a bunch of those other ones. Okay. And th- this was basically so you could watch streaming stuff like on your computer 
Um, okay. It really wasn't done so heavily through like web pages, but right. then by the time what they call like web 2.0 came out, that all changed. So my app, basically desktop app, if you want to think of it that way, would allow you to pull up a list of TV stations and watch live TV on your computer. And that was oh, called okay. CTube. And the reason I called it CTube was because I remember my grandparents would always say, you know, you're going to go watch the tube. You're sitting too close to the tube. Yeah. About, t about TV, you know, that kind of thing. It's kind of like an old school term, whatever. <laughs> and so I started looking up, you know, things that had already been used on the internet because I didn't want to use a product name that was already out there. And I noticed that nobody had used the word tube in anything because to me it made sense. Computer tube, you know, yeah. computer, computer mixed with TV kind of thing. Um, so I was able to do that, came out with that product. Um, we were on like Netscape's homepage. Netscape was an old browser, that kind of thing. It did mm -hmm. really well. But then my interest started going towards uh, creating search engines. So by that time, you know, I had made some money and that kind of thing and sold the company to somebody else and started getting interested in creating web search engines. Mm -hmm. So that was probably, and that was probably like, I guess, four, four years after that. And then it was good timing for me because around that time, uh, you know, the sales of, of the des desktop app weren't going nearly as well kind of thing. And everybody was going to web pages and yeah, yeah. YouTube was getting big, obviously, and that kind of thing. And everything was more toward people uploading content rather than watching live television. I mean, people yeah. still do it now, totally, through their fire stick and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think, but um, yeah, so that, that kind of, it was good experience. It, you know, it did really well, but I got called into doing other things. So, yeah. <laughs> Dang, wow, wow, dang. Now you be you come like the years nineteen seventy something, eighty something. I'm like nineteen ninety seven. I was two years old by now. <laughs> yeah. I was two years old. So I do not know what happened in those years. But um it's just it's just awesome to see how, you know, if you really believe in something you can work for it for like a forty years and still just keep doing it because it's something you really like doing, you know what I mean? Um so like what is the what is the why behind, you know, having a, a video search engine? What are you trying to accomplish with that? Well, why did you even start a video search engine? What, what led you to that? Yeah, so like I said, once I was done with that uh, part of my life kind of thing and the, the, the C-Tube thing, I got interested in, in what makes a search engine. And search engines obviously were really big in the early 2000s. Yeah. There was a lot of them besides Google, obviously. There's a whole bunch of them mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I saw all these, you know, video search engines popping up. But through the years... Um, and you've probably even seen a little bit of this. A lot of those companies have like shut down because Google's so big at this point, they've kind of taken everything over. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've, you've got a couple of major players and that, that's not to say that they don't do a good job, but the level of variety that we used to have back then is just different than what it is now. Yeah. And I think that's just the nature of capitalism and companies and stuff like that. They get bigger and smaller ones don't necessarily survive. And that's just how mm -hmm. things go. I get that. Uh, but what happened for me was about a year ago, um, I was doing some research on something and I was looking all around in the internet and I noticed everywhere that I looked, whether I went to like Bing and searched for videos or Yahoo and searched for videos or Google video and searched for videos, it was all YouTube, mm. which you would probably agree. Most of what you see is all YouTube, right? Yeah. And that's all well and good. But I was like, what happened to all these other players that I knew about like Vimeo and Daily Motion and Meta Cafe and you know, there's a whole bunch of these that I knew about through the years kind of thing. And I was thinking, well, maybe they all shut down, you know, because YouTube is so big. Yeah. Kind of thing. And so I started doing research and a lot of them do still exist or did exist kind of thing and still do. And so the more research that I did to find out what was out there besides YouTube, the more I uncovered more platforms and even new ones that have come out in the last like two or three years. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, in the wake of... Um, people perceiving like censorship and bias and being like demonetized off of YouTube and right. deplatformed and all that stuff for, for whatever reason, uh, they've gone to other places. Some of these are, you know, some of these other outlets kind of thing. And so a year ago I was thinking, you know, if all these other video providers exist, but I can't get to them through these search engines, I should probably just make my own search engine that yeah. highlights, highlights those instead of YouTube primarily. Yeah. So it's not necessarily to compete with YouTube, but what it is, is it's another avenue for you to find the content that you want that ne isn't necessarily on YouTube and could be in other places, right? Okay. And so through the last, um, you know, probably eight months or so of developing the product and getting it out there, I've uncovered 63 different platforms other than YouTube that are out there. And that wow. means, yeah, I had no idea that were that, that many. Wow. So the more research I did, the more it gave like, you know, credibility to the, the project, mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
And I ended up finding YouTube competitors that were in like Japan and China and Indonesia. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the YouTube competitor in Indonesia is all in that language. They have English content too. So that made the project, you know, even more valuable to me. So yeah, so basically that's that in a nutshell, seeing that all this stuff was out there, but people just couldn't see it or get to it. That's what made me make the, the video search engine so that people could. Dang. Well, like, uh, I mean, I want to know, like, so like now you're doing that is, uh, how is that, is that generating revenue for you or how is that, how does that all work or, you know? Yeah, no, so the idea uh, behind that was, okay, obviously I got this idea for a product. Obviously these people are saying that they would use it and it's valuable to them and that kind of thing, yeah. but that's only the first steps. Mm -hmm. So I started to make the product and then I started to think about, well, I want to include another piece in the offering that respects people's privacy because I know there's a lot of uh, you know press about people being upset with their data being sold or shared mm -hmm. to another company that they didn't really mean for that to happen and these yeah. types of things. Um, you know, it's happened to a, a bunch of major providers, be it Facebook or, you know, you've sure. seen all these stories, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I decided to do with the search engine was make it so that it doesn't rely on users' data for revenue. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason I think those companies have gotten into trouble is because they don't necessarily rely on it, but it's probably a big part of their model. So what I decided to do was use unconventional means to, to basically fund uh, the site. And so yeah. by that, I mean, uh, it has a Patreon that we just started so people can actually join that. And if they believe in what we're doing, they can, you know, donate to that on a monthly basis or whatever thing that's brand new. Um, mm -hmm. We also have merchandise. So we make our own merch, which yeah. should be like stickers and shirts and stuff like that. And then we have a flat like donate thing where people can actually donate directly to the project or actually mm -hmm. directly toward my cat, believe it or not, because the other part of the story, not to divert, because there are other revenue streams, okay. but the other part of the story that you might find interesting is I made the search engine, right? And mm -hmm. one of the hardest parts about stuff on the internet is people have like either bought domains so that they can squat on them and make you pay a whole bunch of money to get them, mm -hmm. uh, or people have already used names. It's kind of like a lot of band names have already been used, right? Mm -hmm. So when you come up with an idea, you have to go on the internet and be like, well, has somebody else already used this name or will it get confused with something else? right? Because you don't want somebody typing in your name and then something else comes up that's yeah, related, right? So you have to come up with a unique name that hasn't been used and hasn't been bought, like the domain. And I couldn't come up with anything. It, it was driving me crazy. So I was like, I got this great idea and I want to do this, but I, I can't figure out what to call it because yeah. everything I can think of has been used, right? And so uh, I kind of gave up. And sometimes when you're struggling with a product, the best thing that you can do, or an idea, I guess I should say, is just relax and give up and let it kind of happen when it's going to happen. Yeah, true. Right? true. And that's what it, and that's exactly what I did. And it wasn't shortly after that, my cat, uh, who was a, an orange cat, a ginger, I guess you would call it, um, mm -hmm. came up to me and was just like kind of hanging out. And I was like, you know what? People like cats. Or they're all over the internet and people have mascots for websites. Different yeah. things, you know? And I'm like, I think I'm going to name this after my cat. His name's Petey you know, short for Pete or whatever you want to call it, another name for Pete. And so obviously there's video involved. So I think I'm just going to call it Petey Vid for short. And then I'm going to hire one of my friends who does professional comic book art to make kind of a comic book version of my cat. And that's where the logo came from is that's yeah. actually from my, that's actually my cat, like uh, cartoonized. Okay. Dang. And okay. Wow. Wow. So that's where that, that's where that actually came from, which is kind of a fun part of the story because I didn't know what to call it, but it ended up being, you know, kind of fun and not too serious or too technical or. Yeah. Kind of thing. Now, yeah. now I'm thinking of a new idea. I'm thinking of, uh, you know, whenever my friends, because my friends always come up, come to me and be like, I have this great idea for a business, but I don't have a name for it. So now I'm like, you know what? They should go buy more pets. If they have my, like five or six pets, they can figure out maybe I'll go, I'll call <laughs> one, uh, maybe birdie, you know, but that's pretty cool. I just want to make a side joke right there, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. However, uh, so what is, so being in the, you know, the uh, tech business, uh, being in the program business, what is one thing you think um, YouTube has been successful at to make them become how they are? What do you think is there a key thing that has made them become so huge um, and take over the market? What is, what do you think, how do you think they're, you know, being able to get more customers and other people? Well, I think one thing is time. Obviously, that's incredibly important. I think one mistake that a lot of, I don't want to say entrepreneurs, but people on the internet make um, is just being impatient. 
things take time. Things take a lot of time. And when you think about the fact that I'm, I may be getting this wrong, but I think, you know, uh, the acquisition of, of YouTube happened more easily more than 10 years ago, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I could probably look it up, but point being is a decade is quite a long time on the internet, but a decade is also long enough to build an incredible following for anything. Like think about it. If you're a band, uh, usually in a lot of cases, um, you know, you're not going to necessarily reach that. I don't want to say peak and it doesn't mean that you're not important, but all the friends that I've seen that have formed bands and done tons of touring all over the world, yeah. they didn't, I don't want to say they didn't make it big, but they didn't make a huge impact where it could be like a sustainable part of their life until close to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? And yeah. so if and you think been, about. It's been 14 that? years. It's been, they got out quite in 2006. So it's been 14 years. Okay. Well, there you go. So that's, yeah. that's almost a decade and a half. Yeah. So if you combine that along with the massive amount of revenue and backing that they had through their several rounds of funding. Yeah. They had a serious intent in, in building a very like strong evangelical following. And I think it was through honestly being a little bit looser on their terms mm -hmm. to get like as much market share as possible for content creators, because I've done research and looked to see, you know, the things that they're quite upset about now that they don't want people on YouTube either talking about or presenting that kind of thing. Yeah. If I go back to when they were, they were acquired, that content was completely allowed back then. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it was it was basically getting those content providers in as many as possible and probably relationships with major media outlets mm -hmm. as well to get them to use their platform. So whether yeah. it's Fox News using their platform or NBC or whatever kind of thing, um, having the content creation be solely focused on one vendor, one brand kind of thing, I think yeah. was pretty smart on their side yeah. kind of thing. And then, you know, later on, obviously like around now, they can change their mind about advertising uh, standards or content standards or that kind of thing, because they've already got the market share. They can make that decision now. Whereas it's smarter to do it now than it would have been back then, which they would have cut those people out maybe. Yeah. I think. So I've, I've seen this, uh, is it Vivo? Why don't I pronounce it? Vivo? Vivo? Uh, is that part of YouTube? Cause I see like most, uh, you know, uh, musicians always use yeah. Vivo for like videos. Is that part of YouTube? You know what? I think that they may have been acquired by them because I've seen that too as well because they used to be a, a platform additionally. And, uh, you know, I, I see music videos that come up that have that uh, the yeah. watermark or whatever in the corner. And it always yeah. makes me wonder if they were acquired by YouTube because I've seen, I've seen so much of it kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I, I always wonder like, how did they, how, why is it that? Cause I, I mean, I think I've searched at one point and seen a video in vivo, but that was like probably like four years ago, but now it's like, it doesn't exist, but still the logo exists with YouTube. You know, I right. think it has to be under YouTube or something. I mean, it, it exists, but it's not really like popping or whatnot. Um, <laughs> okay. But I mean, I, I think like one thing I've come to understand with like this, uh, you know, big corporations is uh, them being able to, you know, understand customers. You know what I mean? Like being able to understand right. what the market is. And like the big thing right now, I think YouTube is doing good at is like, having people have their own channels, right? Where they can actually become, make money out of their own channel, which is now, you know, the whole world is all about entrepreneurship. Now, giving someone a chance to do that is a marketing tool for anyone to succeed, you know, which is basically putting people on, on your platform and have, having them make, become successful through what you do. Now, with enough effort, obviously, and a lot of effort, but yeah, even still having that opportunity and, and yeah. being yeah. probably maybe the only one in comparison to any other players, they've kind of got the market. So yeah, I think I think that's a key. I think that's a key thing they they did. Cause I don't think um, I mean I think other people also have channels, but I, I think they focus more like you know people becoming uh, like making money off their stuff. You know, making it easier yeah. as well. Um, so like in that direction, do you think it's you know with your business, um, you think it's uh, it's always good for you to have a platform that doesn't just only pub yourself? But actually helps others, you know, be able to, you know, uh, put others on the spot and make them make money as well. Uh, have you been able to do that with your company? Well, I mean, it's the the PDVid search engine doesn't have any video hosting, so we, we function as a traditional search engine kind of thing. Um, it's almost like if you were to go to video.google.com, you just do a search for videos there, and then you can go to wherever the video exists and go play it, kind of okay. thing. And so, the way I see us facilitating. Uh, I guess the ability for 
people to find users content that they've uploaded kind of thing is we've had some situations in the past during, you know, interviews and, and other conversations that people have said, well, I uploaded a video on YouTube, but like nobody can really find it because it's just buried in with all these other things because YouTube has its own algorithm basically to decide yeah. what to show you when you type something in. Um, I'm not saying it's, it's good or bad, but it's definitely specific to whatever it is that they're trying to drive and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but that, that can have, I don't want to say a bad effect, but a perceivably negative effect by the end user or maybe discourages them. Yeah. If they put a video up and nobody can find it and they don't get any views and they don't get any uh, subscribers kind of thing. Right. Um, so what I would say is uh, with our video search engine, it's completely based on keywords and keyword density, if you will, if how many times something is mentioned, just a few yeah. things like that. Our video search engine isn't really based on how many times something's liked is liked or viewed or how long they've spent uh, watching the video or anything like that. It's very, very yeah. kind of old school. Okay. Um, and it's very geared toward bringing you whatever it is that you want, no matter where it is. Mm. Right. Because mm. the thing is, if you're looking for something really rare, say it's a TV commercial from when you were five years old, um, let's just say YouTube doesn't have it. You go to YouTube, you search for it. It's not there. You're kind of done. Most people, you would just give up. You'd be like, well, that's yeah. not exist, right? Well, yeah. if you go to, if you go to PDVid, you stand a much higher chance of finding it because we search 63 different outlets rather than just one. Wow. Right. Okay. We're, okay. we're approaching almost a half a billion videos that we've located 500 million at this point across all those platforms. So wow. that's really what we're trying to do is facilitate the user to be able to have some diversity and choice and that kind of thing. Wow, okay. Yeah. Dang. I mean, since we are on tech and programming, which I am not a I am not a an expert on tech or programming. I am not right. a, I'm I'm more of a I, I do more creative stuff, but not like on the tech side of things. But um what is one advice you would give like to a younger programmer who's out there trying to, you know, hustle up and trying to create a company or trying to program a, a new website? Well what is one thing you would tell them? you know, that you, you wish you would have known when you were coming up? Well, there's, there's two things I guess I would say. Actually, this is pretty relevant because somebody just asked me about one of these things a few days ago who's struggling with the, uh, the, you know, the kind of the return on investment for college because they want to go to college and learn how to program. It's a friend of mine's son. And the cost of going to college is so insanely expensive at this point. And yeah. you end up having to take a lot of classes that don't apply to programming and, you know, a lot of just, I don't want to say wasted time and wasted money, but kind of. Um, so the thing I would say is as far as being a programmer and this applies to a lot of different things, but in particular, you know, me, I got started when I was really young, obviously, just because I enjoyed it. I didn't necessarily know if I was going to do it as a job. It was just <laughs> something that I just really loved to do. And, you know, you've heard it a million times that when you choose a profession, you should, you should do something that you enjoy doing because it could end up, you know, sustaining you over a long period of time. Exactly, and the, yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. is like, don't get stuck into something that you think sucks yeah. just, to, just to make the money kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is because of the amount of time that I ended up putting into, you know, learning how to, to program and be a better programmer, it gave me a lot of experience that ended up becoming valuable to like my future employers without me really intending it to. Mm. So it's almost like the better you get at what you do and the more you enjoy what you do, the more valuable you're going to be. I know that, you know, it seems like that would be very yeah. obvious, but yeah, because and here's, here was my case in point. Um, my first actual real job that I got, I don't want to say like first job because I had jobs before this and I worked in whatever IT and stuff like that. But my first programming job, um, I had all these positions that were offered to me to, you know, to kind of install networking and do all these things, which I knew how to do, but I really wanted to be a programmer. Um, and the, the market was really tough back then, you know, in the uh, late eighties, early nineties okay. before, you know, Silicon Valley was like, Hey, you can have long hair, you can wear shorts, you can do whatever you want yeah, as long as yeah. you can do your, do your job. Well, it wasn't mm -hmm. like that, like in the South, which is where I was in Georgia. Mm -hmm. And so I struggled and it took a lot of positions that I, I don't want to say I wish I didn't take because I did learn a lot from them mm -hmm. and they were related to programming. But I was like, at one point I was like, okay, no more. I'm, you know, I'm only going to apply for programmer jobs and that's it. I don't care if I don't get them. I don't care if I get shot down a hundred times. I will keep doing this, you know, going through interviews until I get a programming job because once mm -hmm. I get started, I'll be fine. And the first position uh, that I interviewed for was a nuclear software engineer uh, in Georgia. And now the nu nuclear part about it, I knew nothing about, but mm -hmm. I knew how to be a programmer 
you know, kind of thing. So I was yeah. like, hey, they need a programmer. I'm going to go in. I know this is in a field that I know nothing about, but I'm uh -huh. hoping that all this experience, you know, that I've, I've done on my own kind of thing, yeah. even out, outside of school will help. And I was mm -hmm. up against a guy who just graduated from MIT. Totally true story. And so I went in and, you know, knowing this kind of thing and showing them all, him all the work that I had done back to when I was like 10 years old. And at this mm -hmm. point, I think it was like 20 three or something yeah anyways point being is i had a good solid not on the job experience but 13 years experience at that point at po that point programming kind of thing when this guy got yeah. out of college and had none and i got the job mm. it blew me away and it was like mm. one of my favorite jobs i've ever had and they took me wow. in and taught me a lot and got me in with some like older programmers and they taught me things so I, that's a huge point that i would give to not necessarily a programmer but anybody i guess within a certain profession is like make sure your heart's in it and you dedicate like as much time to it as you can um, to, you know, to get good at it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And then the other half would be the funny thing is before that job, I was attending Georgia state university okay. and I just quit going cause I couldn't stand it anymore. I just didn't mm. like college. I didn't mm. like college at all. Like <laughs> I, I, I did end up actually working in the computer center and helping people like understand like how to use computers and programming mm. and all that kind of stuff. So I did like that and I made the best of my situation, but everybody around me at that time was like, you got to go to college cause you're not going to get a job unless you have a degree. Yeah. And, and, and that may be totally the case in some, in some points, like you're not going to be a doctor unless you go get a degree. Come on. True. <laughs> true, I mean? true. There's no way to go around no, that. Right. Yeah. But, but it doesn't apply to everything. And I think that's be becoming more relevant and more important now than it ever has been with like yeah. everything that's, everything that's available to you on the internet, either for free or for very low cost. Exactly. And so that's the other part of my, you know, my advice that I would give to either my younger self or, you know, somebody else in that same position is explore your options and talk to people who like work in that field and find mm -hmm. out if you, if you can, you know, take those classes and do those things and, you know, get around, you know, leaving college with two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in debt kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm being a little ridiculous, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my, in my situation, when I left, when I decided I'm not doing this college thing anymore, I only owed two thousand dollars. Oh, wow. okay. Okay. You were good. That's it. And that was like, <laughs> that was like nine, 1995, I think. Wow. That's when I was born. I was still, ah. <laughs> So, yes. so there, so you go. Case in point, I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, okay. I think it's saying meeting is upgraded by the host. Oh, there you go. Um, so yeah, so there you go. So case in point, I, I, you know, I decided I'm going to keep, go, keep doing this, keep doing my programming thing. Um, I don't want this anymore, but I decided I want to do this thing, you know, and I decided at a certain point, I'm only going to take a job if it's a programming job. I don't care if I'm yeah. a college dropout. Yeah. I don't care somebody's going to be okay with me because of my merits and what I've actually like been working on personally and mm. first job interview, it happened. Mm. So, mm. you know, mm. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think it's even more acceptable at this point for um, uh, companies to accept programmers and engineers without degrees yeah. because in the last like year or two, uh, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, have pretty much bled the market dry, like of all the engineers that are out there that are kind of mid-level or senior. So literally the industry can't grow these people fast enough. Mm. So that's why it, they've put out announcements. Google has like, you don't have to have a degree to work for us. Oh, Apple's, wow. done, Apple's done the same thing, yeah. I mean, Now granted you do, you, probably do have, you do have to have graduated from high school, but that's not a degree, you know. That's, yeah, that's not a degree. Wow. So they're becoming very loose with those standards. And I've heard, wow. uh, I've heard of, of bounties from companies as much as $6,000 to bring somebody in because they can't find anyone. Wow. Yeah, so they're in very high demand. Hey. Yeah. I don't mean web page designers necessarily. I'm, I mean, programmers, a slightly different thing, but anyway. It's, it's really, my thing is this though, like it's, for me, it's really funny how like, you know, things are changing so fast. Because back in the days, you know, parents were so strict with like, not back, you know what? Back in your days, not in my days. Because I just, I was like, you know what? It's probably back in your days, you know, parents were always strict with like, you know, do this, do this, do this. Uh, you have to go through the same steps that I went through or the same steps that your uncle went through. But now yeah. in this age and time when you don't have to do that, you, got, you literally can make your own way. Um, a dude, I don't know if you know his name, but he's famous. Uh, uh, I think his name uh Ninja. Ninja, he's like a gamer. Okay. Yeah. I don't think so. Like, 
he makes millions of dollars by playing games, right? And I'm watching this, I'm like, what? Like when I was a kid, like my dad would like beat you for playing games too much, you know, <laughs> right. living my dreams. Like he's just like making money, having fun. And I believe um, we're in a, in a generation where it's, it's cool to have fun at what you do and make money out of it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, I would say, I would say obviously there's a lot of time involved. And I, I had a conversation similar to this a couple of weeks ago with somebody. And they were saying to me, it was on another um, interview, another podcast. They said, wow, 40 years. Wow, that's so long. You know, it, with a mixed bag of, of emotions, I'm sure one of them is like, wow, I hope you really enjoyed what you were doing. And another one is like, holy crap, I can't imagine doing the same thing for 40 years. And, you know, yeah. a lot of different different feelings about it. And it made me really step back and think like, wow, I didn't really notice. I mean, I, I, I know that 40 years went by, you know, obviously yeah, yeah. because, because yeah. of chronological age, but yeah. it's almost like when they, when somebody tells you like when you're in the middle of do, doing something, something and you're really enjoying it, whether mm -hmm. it's a sport or something that's quote work to most people, time kind of doesn't exist Yeah, because yeah. you're so yeah. involved in enjoying like the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really ideal situation for anybody too as well and like that gamer guy like he had to start somewhere i'm sure he spent like hours and hours and hundreds and thousands of hours doing things and somebody might think like wow you spent ten thousand hours doing that and he'd be like well i enjoyed it didn't seem like ten thousand hours and that's what i would say in my case too as well even if you caught me halfway through it 20 years i would have said well i i just enjoyed what i was doing so you know you keep going with it and Ideally, you make a living for yourself and maybe can help some other people along the way and, you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I mean, like people who we know as great people when it comes to maybe Elon Musk or, uh, you know, the, uh, the Bill Gates or um, talking about the uh, maybe um, Martin Luther King. These are people who were passionate about what they did. Like it, it wasn't about um, I'm going to go get a job. No, it was about making a difference and being able to use what they have to improve other people. Right. And I'm and I'm 100. I'm big on uh, actually uh, giving more than I'm paid for, right? A goal giver, someone who gives more value and get paid for. Because at the end of the day, they say give and it shall be given unto you, right? That means the more you give and it will be given back to you, right? Now there's this mindset in the society where people just want to either get a job or be able to rely on social security, but in the real aspect of things, a job doesn't really make you a living you become, you know, just stand a job you don't even like, right? But if you sure. do you're passionate about, you become um, a door for other people to come and pass through you because you become a foundation or something, right? And I believe in that 100%. That's like what I advise people all the time. Yo, if you want to do something, make sure you're passionate about it and it's something that fulfills your purpose, right? Now, with that being said, uh, even though I know you went through a route that's like, uh, being a you know a programmer is like a, a big deal. Like if I were to go into like computer science, people would be like, "Yo, Zeke, you're doing it great." Now, what were the pushbacks you had? You know, when it comes to maybe starting a company or maybe saying, "I'm gonna leave college and then start something different." Well, what were the pushbacks you had during those times? Well, I mean, uh, the the thing that always comes to mind the first thing was um, when I moved out to. Silicon Valley from Georgia, like out of, I don't want to say straight out of college because I had a job in between there kind okay. of thing. Um, but when I decided to move to California and took my first job there, they paid me a really great bonus. They gave me an excellent job. They paid for me to move everything. They paid for me for a hotel while my stuff was being moved in San Francisco. It was amazing. Wow. So I was very, very grateful for that. But as I was there for, I want to say close to eight, nine months kind of thing, um, it just really wasn't my thing environmentally. So long story short, I couldn't stand working in a cube. That was just my thing. I felt like I felt terrible at the end of the day, and I'm, you know, and so basically what I would say is, you know, at the end of that, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to make my own software company and I'm going to work at home and I'm going to make my own thing and see where that goes kind of thing. And I was being paid very, very well. And so there was a friend, a couple friends of mine, or I would say associates, maybe a half a dozen guys in the same department. And we would go out to lunch every day kind of thing, or most days, like a lot of those places. Yeah. And I brought it, I brought it up. And um, just about everybody in the entire group did that, said to me, they were like, are you out of your 
f in mind like that you're getting paid like really well you got this you know office over here and perks and everything else and 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 uh i was like yeah i think i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make this software that does this and maybe this streaming blah 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 or whatever kind of thing and i was really excited about it kind of thing yeah and only one guy out of the, out of the entire like probably half dozen or whatever it was i can't remember um only one guy actually pulled me aside and he was like man you should go do it Mm. <laughs> if that, if that's, he's like if that's what you want to do you're young you know you don't have any kids you don't have a family you don't even have a girlfriend at this point you're here by yourself in california go do what you want to do yeah kind of thing he's, and he's, he's like you know what if it doesn't work out i'm sure you'll find something else to do and i was like that's good advice yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's what i decided to do so that would yeah. definitely be somebody well a whole bunch of people that ended up giving me pushback within I mean, they weren't really good friends of mine, but still, those were my peers, like at my work, kind of thing, you know. I mean, that it's funny, like, it, it always happens that way. When you have this new idea, and in your heart, you are excited for it, you're like, I'm pumped for it, like, I'm fired up to do it, and then people around you are like, no, that's dumb, that's just dumb, that's like, just dumb, you shouldn't do it, you know. But, uh, I mean, I don't blame them, because the vision came to you and not them, and there's a reason why it came to you. Right. Because if he came to them, they wouldn't believe it or you believe it. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's a flip side to that, too, because what I would say to give them credit is like they didn't necessarily know me as a person. Mm. So anybody can wake up and be like, yeah, I'm going to be a star YouTuber or I'm going to be mm. a this or I'm going to be a that. And, you know, that's a nice intention. But if you don't necessarily know the person, who knows, it could be just somebody that just is not really w willing to put in the time and the effort and would like to have something like that given to them, yeah. which doesn't happen. You know, but if they had known me and had known that I had been a programmer for quite a long time and put in a lot of work and that kind of thing, and that I'm a very dedicated and passionate person when it comes to those things, I think that their answer would have been different, but they just didn't really know me. And I think that one individual could sense that about me. And I think that's why he said that. Okay. So it's, it's more of like, in all a, fairness. like an understanding perspective, being able to understand who you are. Um, yeah. Now, so now let me, uh, let me, uh, Take a few a few more questions so you are in uh pennsylvania so like what is your day-to-day -day like what is your do you do you still work or are you just focusing on the on the online business or whatnot yeah so okay um long story short probably about um a year and a half two years ago before i started this project i had an idea an idea essentially that i wanted to create a search engine for um image metadata and what that means is when you take kind of a picture with your camera, there's some uh, identifying information that goes into that picture that's embedded inside of it. That if with the right tool, you look at that image, not the image, but what's inside of it, and it'll tell you, oh, this is the model number of their phone or their camera, and this is the longitude and latitude of where they were when they took this picture. And just lots of really cool, weird data that's inside of the picture that travels with it wherever it goes. Yeah. And so a friend of mine knew, who knew I was into search engine said, you should make a search engine, you know, for these, for image metadata, but okay. police could, police could use that or, you know, whatever. Law enforcement related stuff. Essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Could use that for cases um, to match like serial numbers of people that they knew were like known offenders of child porn or anything like that. Just yeah. there's a lot of ways it could be used. And so originally when he gave me that idea and said that, I said to him, and I didn't completely like blow him off, but I said, that would be an insane undertaking because do you know how many images there are on the internet? Wow. Just, I can't even imagine, like, let wow. alone like, you know, web pages and everything. And I said, I would have to like do, get insane amounts of servers to process, you know, millions and billions of images to find ones that were actually taken with a phone or taken with a camera just yeah. to get that, get that data out. And so it, it wasn't more than probably a few days. And I called him up or I talked to him on IM and I was like, dude, I'm totally going to do this. Because mm, mm, <laughs> it was one of those things. I'm one of those kinds of people that it's almost like the more ridiculous and the more challenging it is, the yeah, more I want yeah. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Wow. See, see if I can. So I spent probably the better part of like two and a half years or three years mm. making this search engine essentially and gathering all these images mm -hmm. from all over the world. It ended up being close to like a billion and something images um, with all this really valuable information into it in it in wow. it. And um then I ended up going to, to Twitter essentially and talking to a whole bunch of law enforcement software companies saying, Hey, you want to try this out kind of thing. I ended up forming a relationship with the national center for missing and exploited children. Mm. And I, I said to them, I was like, you know what? 
I want you guys to just have this and use it for free because mm -hmm. I want to see if you can use this to help solve cases. Because if you can use this and it's valuable to you, what I've built, then I know it's going to be valuable to other people. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a really good move, I think, on my part. And, you know, keep this in mind, too, as well, or whoever's listening or watching this. Sometimes when you make those decisions to give the right person the right advice or the right amount of work or whatever for free, it yeah. ends up coming back to you kind of thing, or it ends up benefiting uh -huh. everybody involved. It's mm -hmm. not necessarily about like how much money can I get for this? Mm. It's like who can, who can benefit from this kind of thing. Yeah. And wow. so that was part of my thinking too, is I'll give this to these people. If they can use it to solve some cases or get farther to help, you know, rescue some kids or something mm -hmm. like that. Obviously it's really good, you know, for, yeah. for mankind, you know, in a sense for society. Um, but it's even more important because it validates all this work that I've done for the past, whatever mm -hmm. it was, two, two years or three years. And so I gave it to them. We met probably a month later and they said that they were already using it to file police reports and they had actually located critical information related to like pedophile cases and things like that. Wow. So it blew me away. I was like, I didn't even know if it was going to work at all for them. Wow. I was, yeah, I was totally prepared for them to be like, well, you know, maybe it's not so good or maybe you need to change this. And they were totally happy with it. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I went to Twitter and went to the internet and I made a press release saying that I had a relationship with them now, a partnership. And it wasn't, but maybe a couple of months later, a really big company um, in Canada reached out to me and said, you know what? We think what you're doing is amazing. We want to buy this from you and we want you to just come work for us. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. And so, uh, so I've been with them I can't tell you the name right now because it's what confidentiality could, but it's a really big uh, law enforcement, digital forensics company. I'm mm -hmm. in charge of creating tools for counterterrorism and, and helping save children. Mm. That's, that's my full-time job. So if, would you mind sharing how much you made for that? I mean, it's well into the six, well into the six figures. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Dang. So what would you say has been your biggest success uh, when it comes to, one with uh influence and impact and two uh what has been your biggest influence when it comes to like making a huge sum of money for just one company wait so the, let me get let me so the first one is first one is impact being able to do something that has a, has had an impact in what may be uh in a bigger company and um second is what is the biggest company you've sold so far uh you know and how much was it well, the first, I mean, they, they both fall into the same thing. I would say having created the things that I've done through the years, there's no, up until a certain point, there's no direct feedback from people that have necessarily influenced or the, the amount or magnitude that that's happened. Because sometimes, mm -hmm. think about it if you were an artist and you make a song. Yeah. You don't necessarily, that could save somebody's life. That could like completely change somebody's life and create an entire career for them. They, you just have no idea what that magnitude is going to be like or the effect on people. And mm -hmm. hopefully, I guess that's what we can hope for, by the way, like through our endeavors and whatnot, is that we positively influence other people to do the same, I think. Yeah. So the only feedback I've gotten in regards to that would be the work that I did, not knowing if it was even going to be a viable product or if it was going to go anywhere. I spent three mm -hmm. years and a ton of my money on something just hoping it would be valuable to somebody and then getting the feedback from the national center for missing and exploited children that it was helping save kids yeah. blew my mind. That was easily the biggest thing mm. because that's direct feedback from, you know, five, six people that are caseworkers that were using it to kind of connect the dots yeah. and, figure, wow. and figure out, you know, uh, you know, missing important details for, you know, saving somebody's kids or, yeah. you know, wow. that kind of thing. So I would say that's single-handedly probably the biggest uh, thing that I've done. And I didn't even intend to do it. It just kind of happened. But yeah, making, making those right decisions about, like I said, it was kind of a, a dual purpose thing where I wanted it to go towards a really, really good cause. Mm. But obviously I wanted like the importance of validation so that it would be worth something money wise. But that wasn't my first thought. My first thought is I, I want to impress these guys and do a really good job. Mm. Uh, and then the money will come later. And it did. And that was when the acquisition happened. And that's you know, again, I can't, I can't necessarily talk figures. No, was, don't worry about the figures. Yeah, uh, you know no, but it was, figures, so it's good. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was going to say, so the, 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 uh, the acquisition, 
was more than I needed and more money than I had obviously spent putting into it time-wise and, yeah. and server cost-wise and everything else like that. So it ended up like perfect for me. Um, and now I get to work remotely. I still get to work at home, which is like perfect. Because wow. <laughs> they're in Canada and I'm in Pennsylvania. Um, and I still get my free time to work on things that aren't necessarily related to that position, which is great. So I've been able to do the, the video search engines outside of that. I know I must sound like all over the place, but yeah. I just love uh, programming and developing and creating new things. So it's perfect for me. So if you were, are you, are you going to maybe at some point in the future expand and maybe get some, you know, kids to come work for you at some point or you want to solely do it? I've started to do that. Yeah. I started to do that initially. So uh, being in Erie, um, I hired two people locally that are ones probably, probably in their early mid twenties, who's just a new graduate who does PR outreach, uh, who is a journalism graduate who basically, this person I heard from somebody else um, was gonna go work at a call center and just work this really dead end crappy job and mm -hmm. couldn't find any other work. And I found out that they had a really good personality and they learned quickly and they were a very driven person. Yeah. So I, I, pulled, I pulled this person aside. I said, you know what? I wanna try you out for like a month or two. I just mm -hmm. want you to represent my company and I want you to go you know, email and make phone calls and keep things organized. and." not necessarily a secretary, but actually reach out to like journalists and get stories written about yeah. what they're doing and that kind of thing. And it ended up perfect for both of us because she hates working in a job, in an office too, an office job as well. And so now we can just communicate over Skype and she does things at, you know, her own pace and it's perfect. Oh, wow. okay. Yeah. And then yeah. I've got another guy who's probably in his, I was probably late twenties, I'm guessing, who's actually in India, believe it or not who does oh, some pro okay. programming for me uh, for this project too as well. And then I've got one other guy um, locally who's probably in his early thirties who does some like web front end development. Okay. And then um, one other guy who does like video reviews and that kind of thing. So yeah, so I've been able to employ some people as well. So that's oh, okay. good. Yeah. No, that, that's legit. That's legit. Yeah. Um, so I think we're coming to the end of the show. Um, first of all, thank you. Thank you yeah. for uh, being able to make this time for us to actually uh, talk. Um, and thank you for being my first ever Zoom interview. This is you. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but I'm going to ask you this. Uh, so, through your, you know, your experience and your um, learning, uh, what is what is one thing you want to tell someone who's like maybe your younger self or someone out there who is either trying to get into maybe programming entrepreneurship? What is one thing you've learned, or maybe two things you've learned that you think you want to share with other people out there today? Uh, I, I would I would say probably the, the the first thing, and I'm still learning this myself, and I still have to remind myself, is to be patient and enjoy the process, but be very, you know, diligent. Put the work in, obviously. Yeah. Put yeah. the work in, but you know, don't necessarily get discouraged because things don't happen immediately. Because mm. I think that with technology and with our culture, and with the media especially having these sensational pieces like, oh, this guy made a million dollars from reviewing toys. What they don't mm -hmm. tell you is, you know, how much, or the, the video game review guy or any of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people put in a lot of time or a lot of effort, you know, into what they're doing, whether it's playing an instrument or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it just goes back to what I'm saying, you know, be, uh, be patient with, with time, but don't sit around and wait, like put the work in, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And it's hard to judge like, how much work is enough and how much is too much. That's obviously difficult. But what I would say is don't sit around and wait and think that it's just going to happen either. Like, you know what I mean? No, it's not. Yeah. So yeah, just, I guess the, the time thing is, and I'm, I, I still struggle with that myself too, as well. I have to remind myself by writing things down when, you know, good things happen and progress has been made to look back. I make a log like every couple of weeks about things that I've been doing and what's been, uh, you know, turning out well and that kind of thing. So that when I do have those periods and I get down and I'm like, things aren't happening fast enough. I look back and I'm like, yeah, they are. You're just being impatient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. now I am, I'm a person who believes who has like, a, I believe in uh, having faith, um, having purpose. Now, what is your mindset about, you know, either having faith or having a belief in something? What do you think they do? They think that plays a big role in what you've done so far. Um, whether it is having faith with the, you know, a spiritual God or having believe in yourself or what is one thing that you believe in that has been able to push you so far and that keep, keeps you going? That's a really good question. Um, I, I would say probably it's leaning more toward like having faith in the process yeah. and having faith in 
my decisions, even if they end up being bad kind of right. thing, because you have to be leaning on yourself at some point in time, because, you know, growth only comes from either luck or making mistakes. And I think more, more so making mistakes and learning kind of thing, yeah, yeah. hopefully not really bad ones, but sometimes really good things come out of really bad mistakes too. Yeah. So I think as long as you're making a sincere effort at what you do, and again, I would tell my younger self this too, but um, try to have a certain amount of faith in the process because you're giving an honest amount of like work into mm -hmm. it. I think mm -hmm. that's where things can kind of get screwed up where people, I don't want to say half-ass it, but don't put, they know they're not putting the right amount of work into it. Yeah. They know they're not like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. you end up with regret and like blaming and all kinds of stuff like that. And that can, that can be bad. So having faith in the process because you know, you've put in a certain amount of, you know, real work and real effort into something, even if it doesn't work, that's cool. At least yeah. you know that you tried the best that you could kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's why I think anyway, but yeah. <laughs> putting it all, you putting it all, man. Well, We've had a we've had a good talk today. We've had a good yeah. even though I'm not a, a tech genius, but I think I've learned a lot today. And I think a lot of people will appreciate this video. Um and I mean thank you for the work you do. Thank you for being able to be um because I believe every entrepreneur, every creator out there uh, is always uh, a curious human being, someone who's very curious about, about things and being able to jump and do what they do and for you know doing what you do, because if you didn't take all those, you know, risk, uh you wouldn't be here today. And I wouldn't even be here today if I didn't take a risk, you know, because you called 1978, 1980 something, 995. I was still not here, but I'm excited to be here talking with you today. Um, but yeah, if people want to reach out to you, uh, your social media, what is your platform? If they want to connect with you and know more about what you do, how can they get, how can they get to you? Yeah, well, first I would say like thanks for having me. Great conversation too as well. And you asked a lot of really great questions that I've never heard before. So all good. Totally appreciate them. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> And uh, you have a lot of really good insights too, as well, kind of thing. So uh, I would say, as far as reaching me, uh, PDVid, I'll spell it out. It's P-E-T-E-Y-V-I-D. Okay. Yeah, PD and Vid. And well. video. And yeah, um, what I would say is there is uh, there's a Facebook, there's an Instagram, there's a Twitter. I manage all of those. Um, okay. So if you end up wanting to talk to me, you can direct message me and then I'll end up talking to you there. We'll become friends somewhere else or something like that. So mm -hmm. I'm always open to DMs and talking and that kind of thing. Okay. okay. Through through your standard platforms, yeah, through the PDVid thing. So that's beautiful. And hey, yeah. Kansas City is home. Whenever you come through, let's go. Nice. Oh, this is where we at. Kansas City is where we at. Um awesome. Because uh with Fight Up KC is a it's a platform that we're trying to use to uh make it a center hub for Kansas City entrepreneurship leadership and being able to motivate people. So Whenever you come through, you never know. It might be the biggest thing on, on town whenever you come through. You'd be like, that's my boy, Zeke. Hold on. <laughs> you know, I'll be here. But uh, right. thank you for this. Thank you for actually, you know, being able to make another time for today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for understanding. Thank you for the work you do. Um, again, thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, we had our first Zoom, and I'm excited, and I, I'm so, so pumped. Um, well, I think we're going to end this now, but um, we can definitely, uh, maybe in the future, uh, you know, we can still do, do some more stuff together. But uh, once okay. I, thank you for today. Thank you for coming through. Thank, thank you. Thank you too.